0: word, we thank you that it always accomplishes that for which you send it out. And Lord, we pray that you'd open our hearts, soften our hearts now that we would receive what you have for us. And Father, we pray that you'd send your spirit upon us and upon Julie, anoint her and help her to preach what's on her heart. And Lord, would you add your blessing to the preparation that she has put into this. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The very first indication that I ever had that God might have some sort of call to ministry for me came at an evening service here at St. Michael's about 25 years ago. Steve Smith, who'd come to set up the church plant at Christ the King, was speaking from the passage in Ephesians 4 about the role of the pastor-teacher, and as I listened, my heart literally burned inside me. I knew there was something for me in what he was saying. I have to say that at the time there was no thought that it might be ordination that God was talking about. More than I knew that whatever work God had for me, it was likely to involve caring for people. Fast forward 15 years to another service, this time my ordination at Bristol Cathedral. I remember listening to these words, part of the priest's charge. They must set the Good Shepherd always before them as a pattern of their calling caring for the people committed to their charge. Remember always, with thanksgiving, that the treasure now to be entrusted to you is Christ's own flock, bought through the shedding of his blood on the cross. And I remember my jaw visibly dropping as I took in the awesome privilege and awesome responsibility that was being entrusted to me. Now, of course, Peter didn't hear those exact words, but I wonder if there was something similar going on for him as he walked with Jesus along the beach in that story that we've just heard from John's Gospel. The memory of that dreadful night when three times he'd denied his master and friend must still have been quite fresh. The roller coaster ride that he and the other disciples had been on as they watched Jesus crucified discovered the empty tomb on Easter Day. Heard stories of the risen Lord Jesus appearing to different ones of them and then seen him for themselves. Well, it must all have left them emotionally and physically exhausted. But I wonder whether Peter would still have been feeling a bit unsure of himself too. Had he blown his chances in being used by God in whatever was going to happen next? What exactly was going to happen next? And so we come to this lovely encounter between Jesus and Peter on the beach. Three times Simon Peter had denied his friends and three times Jesus asks the question, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And after each affirmation, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, Jesus gives an instruction. Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, Feed my sheep. Peter's own priestly charge. Remember always with thanksgiving that the treasure now to be entrusted to you is Christ's own flock, bought through the shedding of his blood on the cross. Well, Peter must have understood better than anyone what this meant, just how much it had cost Jesus to secure this treasure. And so he took up his place as leader of the early church. More and more people were added to their number every day. And it wasn't long before the strain began to tell. It was simply impossible to care for everyone. Some widows were being overlooked in the distribution of food. And understandably, they weren't happy. And so Peter and the twelve came up with a plan. They chose seven godly wise men to take responsibility for the practical aspects of caring for the flock so that they could concentrate on what God had especially given them to do, the ministry of the word of God. And so the church prospered and continued to grow. Over the centuries, various models of church leadership have reflected something of this same tension. There have been certainly times when the role of the traditional vicar has been to know everyone and to do everything. But actually, I'm not sure this is a very biblical model. And in a church as busy and complex as ours, with its multiple congregations and expressions of ministry, it's not even remotely a workable model. Now, of course, we're really blessed here to have several clergy, and each of us has our own particular gifts and ministries. But even this is only part of the story. You see, if you go back to that passage in Ephesians 4 that I mentioned at the beginning, it talks about how Christ has appointed some to be apostles, some to be prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. But what's he appointed them for? Well, it's to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And I think this is perhaps especially true when it comes to the role of the pastor. Being a church that cares can't just be about me and people like me doing all the caring, however well we may do it. It has to be an us together, all of us together thing. Me and people like me being faithful and obedient to the task God's appointed us to prepare God's people, and that's all of us, for works of service, so that the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work. If we want to be a church that cares, then it's something that we all need to have a vision for and get involved with. And actually, that's really quite exciting. There's a long history at St. Michael's of a lot of good caring going on. And I want to honour those who faithfully given of themselves often in unseen ways, to care for the flock. I know personally how much the expressions of love and care that followed my father's death last year meant to me. The cards, flowers, cakes, meals. And I'm sure that many of you will have similar stories to tell. But I wonder if there are others who could tell a different story. Perhaps who rather like the widows in the early church have felt overlooked or even neglected. It grieves my heart to say it, but I think that there probably are. As a church, I think we can and do often demonstrate that we are a church that cares, but it can sometimes be a bit hit hit or miss. And the challenge for us as a church that has and hopefully will continue to grow is to develop structures to deliver pastoral care in a way that's rather more robust, And comprehensive. So, to this end, a small working group within the life of the church has been looking at pastoral care over the last year or so, thinking about what it means for us to be pastorally cared for, how and where it's working well, if there are gaps, what are they, and what could we be doing to develop our pastoral care. And out of our thinking, we've identified the following. The first is the challenge that we face. Expectations and resources have lagged behind the current reality and complexity of the church. And then the opportunity that we have to resource the pastoral needs of a growing church and to help people reframe their expectations of how it's delivered And the image that's come to us as we've thought about this is the net. Jesus said, didn't he, I will make you fishers of men. And a net is used not just to catch, but also to hold fish. It's an image that communicates a sense of safety and community. But it's also an image that reminds us how easy it is for people to fall through the net. So just as fishermen cast their nets, there's a sense in which we're looking today and over the coming weeks to cast vision, to help us get hold of what it might look like for us to be a church that cares. That's what this sermon series is all about, and that's what we're going to be focusing on in our church weekend in June. So without presuming to have all the answers, because this is something we need to work out together, let me share with you Something of the vision of the net. Well, the first and probably the most important part is this that people feel that they belong, matter, are connected, are noticed and welcomed, and are missed when they're not around. Wouldn't it be great if this was the felt reality for each and every member of our church? So how do we encourage the sort of culture of care that could help to make this vision a possible reality? Well, one of the things that we'd love to do is to help people find points of connection within the life of the church. It's so much easier to spot what's going on in someone's life and to express appropriate care within the context of a smaller group setting rather than when we simply meet together on Sundays to worship. That's why we encourage people to be part of a life group. That's why one of the things that we're going to be introducing people to in the coming weeks are tie groups. Three is enough, it stands for, a new way of doing prayer triplets. But community exists and care can be expressed in all sorts of other aspects of church life too. The ladies at Link Club, the young mums at Beehive, the men at Friday Football. The volunteers as they work together in the coffee shop. The staff as they work together looking after the children at the preschool and nursery. People as they serve coffee together after Sunday services. Or wash up together at Alpha, Messy Church, the Sunday lunch club. The possibilities are endless. When we get stuck in and do things together, we're much more likely to feel that we belong, that we matter that we're connected, we're noticed and welcomed, and that we're missed when we're not around. Then the other thing I want to talk a little bit about are the sorts of things that we can do to help other people feel that they belong, matter, are connected, etc. Little things, but things that can make such a difference. A smile across the church. A touch of the arm or a wave as you pass by. A text, an email, a Facebook message that asks, How are you doing? A card to express appreciation or care? A phone call that says, Missed you? A meal that says, I know you're under pressure. I hope this blesses you. None of this is rocket science, is it? I remember early on when I was doing my ordination training, I'd preached one of my very early sermons. And to be honest, it felt very ordinary. But Becky Widows, our then vicar's wife, said something that really encouraged me and that stayed with me ever since. Sheep eat grass. And it's true, isn't it? If we're taking seriously Jesus' charge to feed his lambs, take care of his sheep and feed his sheep, it's not that we have to provide five-star food or accommodation. Sheep eat grass. It's just doing those ordinary, everyday things that don't cost us anything very much, but which make such a difference to others. Doing them intentionally and doing them consistently. And if we together could get hold of this aspect of our vision, I believe that it would make a massive difference to our life as church. But sometimes the sort of care that people need goes way beyond this sort of everyday connection. They need more specific and focused help and support. Life has a habit of throwing tough stuff at us, doesn't it? Whether it's bereavement, illness, job insecurity, financial pressures, relationship breakdowns, parenting issues, caring for new babies or elderly parents coming to terms with our own frailty and vulnerability. We're all likely to have times when we really could use some extra kindness, support and care from our church family. So the next part of our vision is that people have realistic and appropriate expectations of how pastoral care is delivered. They know the sorts of things that are available And they know how support can be accessed either for themselves or on behalf of someone else. Then, too, we want to make sure that scalable structures are put in place to deliver pastoral care. It can't be down to any one person or group of people to look after everyone. We've got to make sure that pastoral care is resourced at grassroots level. Now, that doesn't mean that there isn't still a place for the vicar to visit but that needs to be just one part of a bigger strategy of care. I've already mentioned the central place of life groups, but we'll be looking at what else we can do to strengthen those points of connection, those centres of community that will help the mesh of the net to be tighter so that people are less likely to fall through. And finally, we'll be making sure that pastoral care is appropriately resourced and regularly reviewed. We're in the process of talking with Network Counselling, one of our local mission partners, about them putting some bespoke training for pastoral care on for us here at St Michael's, helping us to learn how to be there for people, how to listen better. And there'll be more said about this in the coming weeks. One of the very attractive features of the early church was the quality of love that the early disciples had for one another. As we learn to love each other deeply from the heart, it's an incredibly powerful witness. It draws people in because they see the life and love of Jesus being lived out through his people. To be a church that cares is a vision worth believing in, investing in, committing to, And in the coming weeks, we're going to be fleshing out more of what that might look like in practice. But today, I just want to close with a couple of verses that came at the end of our reading in Galatians chapter 6, just to help us get thinking. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So let's just be quiet for a moment. And as we sit with what we've heard, I wonder what the Lord is saying to you today. how he's calling you to be part of this vision of the net to be a church that cares maybe for some it will be to think about what ways you could get connected more maybe ways in which you could get stuck in to serve or think about joining a life group Wouldn't it be great if all of us out of today could think about what one little thing we could do to express care to someone else? A card, a phone call, some flowers, a meal. We're going to sing again in a moment, and as ever, there's an opportunity for anybody that would particularly like to respond uh, to what they've heard this morning, perhaps to come and kneel during this next hymn as a way of offering yourself. Maybe there are some even here who felt that stirring of the Spirit in their hearts like I did. And you know that this is something that's particularly for you this morning, part of God's work for you, and you want to come and offer yourself. Or it may be that there are others who actually just need to know that someone cares this morning. You're going through a really tough time and you'd just appreciate somebody praying with you this morning. So in a moment, I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing. And if anybody would like to come forward and kneel and just offer themselves or receive prayer, then please do do that. So Father God, we thank you so much for your call on our lives to be involved in this work of being a church that cares. Lord, set your vision before us, I pray, and excite us about us. Help each one of us to know what part we can play so that we truly would be a church that cares. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.